So it was only the beginning of a 40-year journey that this grouping of people were about to embark on. In fact, it was a group of Hebrews that God had chosen. And if I take you through the story really quick, it starts over them meeting at a meal, and then immediately they're ushered out of their land, not their land, but out of this other land that they have been enslaved to and in bondage to, only to come face to face with what we call the Red Sea. Not knowing what was going to happen next, but only knowing that they were called to go as a nation, together as a community, and to simply trust God. He already delivered them once, now they just got to trust that he'll deliver them again. Story has it that they make it through the Red Sea miraculously. And then they end up in this place called the wilderness. And the wilderness was the perfect place for God's choosing to take this group of Hebrews through a transformational journey together and to form them into a tight-knit community of men and women and children. And so over the next few weeks, as a preaching team, we're going to walk together with you through the wilderness. And there are going to be days, just like the Israelites, that it's going to be good. And there's going to be moments that it's going to be bad, and it's going to be tough. But out of all of this, when the Israelites were forced into the wilderness, into this place that was desolate and nasty and uncomfortable, they were forced as a community immediately into action, into a place together. And they came out of that 40-year journey knowing the presence of God far greater than when they entered. They came out together knowing the love that God had for them more than what they knew when they went in. They came out with a faith, with a book. And most of all, they came out as a nation known as Israel. And so as we journey together over these next couple of weeks, I'm, I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to challenge us, all of us, to have this mindset of even though we're entering the wilderness and, and we may not know what it looks like, but we're, we're going to enter the wilderness together. We're going to do this Together, We're not going to do this alone. We're not going to do this individually. We're going to go as a community. And we're going to come out. We're going to come out of this journey way different than when we entered it in the first place because of who God is and what he has planned for us as a community here in Erie, Pennsylvania. We know that the, the wilderness was hard because if we read the scriptures, it tells us that there was hardship, there was danger, and there was also death. It's not exactly one of the first places I would want to choose to spend, you know, 40 years, but God really didn't give them a choice. And what we know is that in the midst of all of it, it seemed that when pressure was on, when the heat was turned up on this community, on this nation, on this grouping of people, that things started to rise to the top. Just like when you take that gold and you begin to put fire under it, all the impurities begin to, begin to come to the top and it begins to get scraped off. And it's the same way with us. And one thing about the nation of Israel that we found is that when the heat was on, no pun intended because they're in the desert, 
But when the heat was on and when things got intense and the, and the pressure was pushing around them, their hearts began to get exposed to how they felt when it came to God, that they had this unwillingness to surrender over to him. And we find this journey of 40 years of them embarking just them and God and learning to trust him, learning to see different aspects of him, not individually, but together as a community, as a nation. But it didn't begin there. It did, that wasn't the starting place. If we back up in scripture, and if we look at the story, it just didn't start in the wilderness. It actually started in Egypt. It started out as these men, these women being slaves to the Egyptians, a pagan nation full of idolatry and idol worship, immorality. And Egypt was building its kingdom on the back of the Hebrews and their work. And the story tells us as, as we unfold the scriptures more and more, it says that they cry out and it says that God begins to hear the cries of the Israelites. And God says, I'm going to deliver them because they're my people. They're my chosen people and I'm going to deliver them. And so he sends this guy named Moses. And Moses comes along and God uses Moses as this instrument. And everything leads up to this crux, this, this pinnacle moment in the scriptures. And, and what happens is, is the story of Pesach, or what we know as Passover, is where this really started to unfold. See, Passover is more than, than an eight-day festival of odd meals and, and a sacrificial lamb. It, it's about the story of God's grace. It's about his love for a community. It's about our sin being atoned for. It's about shared stories among each other. And it's about being forced under pressure to become a community that God wants them to be. That's what Passover was all about. And all this was happening in the midst of a, of a, of a pagan nation that, that despised God and elevated every other form of God's above him. And there's so much that can be learned out of all of this in, in this wilderness experience and in this Passover experience, but one area that every community of faith should focus on is that shared stories bind us together for the journey ahead. It's in our nature, it's in, it's in our DNA that we love to talk. Now, some of you may try to dispute that and say, but I'm a loner. No, you're not. You can only last so long by yourself. You need community. You need somebody in your life. You need relationship. It is within our DNA. God infused it within us that we have to talk. That's why he gave us lips and he gave us a mouth and a tongue so that we could use it to communicate with each other. We see this example in the book of Genesis when God created man and woman. God said that it was best that man would not be alone. And then when Eve was created, Adam looks at her and says, whoa, man. Well, some of you will get that in a moment. That's a real knee slapper. <laughs> get it, woman, whoa, man. Some of you had to break that down for, I'm sorry. 
But he communicates with Eve and there's this communication. And since the beginning, when God created man, God began to communicate with Adam and Adam began to communicate with God and God and Adam communicated with Eve and so on and so forth because he infused it with inside of each and every single one of us. He intended that man and woman from the beginning would journey together with God, not without him. And in the same manner, he intends that for us. All of us here today, he intends it for us that we will journey together, that we will not journey alone. Even in the the good and the bad and the ugly, God intends for us to journey together. And I'd lie to you and say, you know, being part of a community of faith is going to be simple and it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be all roses. There are going to be bad times. There are going to be ugly times. And there's going to be great times, just like the Israelites experienced. It is in his design that we use shared stories and that we use them to keep us knitted close together. But first, we have to realize that shared stories are not just about us. That's a hard one to choke down, isn't it? Because it's so easy for us to be self-focused. Let's think about that for a moment. Try to recall your conversations, even just today alone. Your conversation at home. Did it start with I? Did it start with me? Let me tell you about my morning. Let me tell you about what I did this week. Let me tell you about what I accomplished. How about this one? Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. Oh, that's great. Great. I'm, I'm glad you're good. Let me tell you what's, what's going on with me. You ever, ever experienced that before? Maybe you're the culprit. We've all done it. We're all guilty of it. God has this amazing way of changing our focus. He's genius about it. And when he begins to see that we're beginning to focus on ourselves, he comes in and he shakes everything up, turns everything upside down. And and here's a great example. We talk about Passover, but if we back it up just a little bit, there was something that got us all the way up to that moment in that scripture. And God calls Moses and and sends Moses into Egypt to confront Pharaoh. And Pharaoh will not budge. Real stubborn. Real tough guy. So God says, fine. I will show you that I am the God and the only God And so he sends nine plagues. Now, some of you Bible scholars, I was like, wait, no, it's 10. I'm going to get to the 10th one. Just hang on. We're at nine right now. Don't get ahead of me. God sends nine plagues. And Pharaoh still doesn't give in. He puts his foot down, crosses his arms, gives him the eye, looks right at Moses. I'm keeping God's people That's not what he said, but just paraphrase. And finally, everything hits. And Moses comes to Pharaoh and he says, God is going to release one more plague. And if you do not let God's people go, God will take your firstborn. 
Pharaoh decides to call God's bluff. The issue is, is God follows through. And so God instructs the Israelites, and he says to the entire community, I have something that I want you to do. And he says to them, I'm going to send a tenth plague. And I want you to take the blood of a lamb and put it over your door. And when the angel of death passes by and sees it, it will pass over your house. And it'll spare your firstborn. But if you're not obedient, I told you what the consequence would be. And he's so genius about building community and changing our focus that he forces us into a place. That's what happened with the Israelites. He forced them into a place. He forced them into a place that they had no choice and they had to begin to share everything with each other. Look with me at Exodus 12, 3. It says, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with the nearest neighbor. Having taken into account the number of people there are, you are determined the amount of lamb needed in accordance with each, what each person will eat. Okay, so notice there that God says, tell the what? <laughs> Some of you didn't have your coffee. Yeah. Tell the whole community, right? Tell the whole community, invite your neighbor, right? God didn't say, uh, Moses, hey, listen, here's the deal, buddy. Jesus and Holy Spirit and I, we, we, we've been talking about this whole thing. And gosh, you know, this whole deliverance thing out of Egypt is just getting so complicated. I just don't know if we can cover everything. You know, it just, we're just going to kind of draw straws and pick a family. I don't know. We're trying to find out who's more righteous and who isn't among the Israelites. Uh, and, you know, maybe we just might do this and where our fingers land. We'll let you know. We'll, we'll keep you updated. But just let them know if something like that's going to happen. That didn't happen. No. God comes and he says to Moses, he says, tell the entire community and tell your neighbors. Come together. And he says, when you gather together, I'm going to give you specific instruction. First, I'm going to tell you how to prepare the meal. Now get this, it wasn't about the meal. It wasn't about, it wasn't about eating the food. It was about obedience. It was about focusing on God and not themselves in their situation. God says, when you come together as a community, you focus on me first, me. You don't focus on these other gods. You don't focus on all this other stuff. That, that Egypt is trying to infuse into your DNA and override what I have originally placed in you. God says, when you come together as a community, when I force you together, when I press you in, you're to focus first on me. And he says, then the second thing, the second thing is tell the community, tell your neighbor, you have to take care of each other. And we find if we look and track all the way to the New Testament, the son of God, wonder how that worked. Son of God comes along and he says, I'm going to sum up all the commandments into two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and resource or your strength. And love your neighbor as your self. 
Isn't that funny how those guys got that work together? They're in the New and the Old Testament. How about that? Some of you will get that in a moment. What would happen if when we come together, what would happen if we come together as a community of faith and our intention is when when we come together to share our stories, the first place that we put our focus is on God. And then our second focus where we put it is not on us ourselves, but we we put the focus on the individual that we're talking to, the individual around us. Because that's what God did. He forced the Israelites into that place. He stripped everything else around them and then forced them into a place of community because his plan was greater than theirs. And he says, look, when you come together, just do two things. That's all I'm asking you to do. Two simple things. Focus on me and focus on each other. And I guarantee you, the rest will fall into place. I'll deliver you. I will heal you. I will make sure you're out of bondage. The list keeps going. And God fulfills what he said he would do. But first, what he requires of us, focus on him and focus on each other and take care of each other in community. Can you imagine for a moment what the the homes of each Israelite must have been in that hour, in that time? Can you imagine what the conversation, what what conversation was going on? I mean, sure, the guys, the the slaves, they knew each other in, in the brick fields. You know, hey, Bob. Hey, Joe. You know, like they they knew each other. But they weren't in an environment where they could just all hang out together as a community whenever they wanted to. And somehow God stops time and he miraculously makes a way and says, no, you all have to gather. You all have to do this. And Pharaoh okays it. He says, yeah, sure, go go do whatever you want. You know, go have your little festival, do your little thing, but I'm still going to keep you as my slaves. But can you imagine for a moment what it must have been like in the house of those Israelites in that moment? Can you imagine the conversation? Well, we got to kill a lamb. What, what, how are we going to find a lamb? Can we afford a lamb? Well I, wonder what, well, I wonder what they're doing next door. Do you think they have enough? Do you think they have enough to provide for, for this Passover? Do you, what, what? Can you imagine the parents in the, in the back room where the kids are? Honey, what if... What if this doesn't work? What if, what if God doesn't come through? What, what, if, what if we miss it? What, what, if, what, if we, what if we smear the blood over the, the doorpost and, and, and we wake up and our firstborn's gone? There was stories being shared in the homes It wasn't just a bunch of hustle and bustle and let's check off the to-do list. They were focused in on God and each other because of the criticalness of about what was to happen. So so how do we apply this to us? What what, what do we do as a community of faith? Obviously, we're not going to go sacrifice lambs. So if you're here for the first time today, please relax, okay? But but we're we're not going to go do that, okay? So how do we apply this today? It's simply this, okay? The Israelites, get this, this was, a, this was a timing issue. So the Israelites didn't have time to go listen to the latest podcast on building relationships, okay? They couldn't skip out of Egypt and head over to the next bordering place to go to the latest seminar on how to talk to people, okay? 
God forced them into a moment and said, look, you have this much time before things start to get really crazy. They had to immediately act. They had to immediately move. And let me tell you this, the simplest way we can do this is it starts with one honest and powerful statement. And here it is. You ready? Get ready. This is deep. Tell me your story. Let me repeat that in case you didn't catch it. Tell me your story. Pretty deep, huh? Simple yet powerful. What if when we come into this community of faith, we're focused on God and we're focused on each other, not focused on ourselves, and we meet somebody new here and we just simply say, hey, tell me your story. Or what if, what if on campus this week, we see somebody on campus and we just walk up and say, hey, how are you? T- tell me your story. What about work? What about in the office? What about at the floor at GE? What about your insurance? What about reaching out to that one person that we don't know, we've never talked to, and we just simply say, hey, how are you? Hi, my name's Jason. What's yours? Oh, hey, tell me your story. What would begin to happen? What would begin to happen? So you know what we want to do? We want to have a little application because we're equipping you, right? We're equipping you to go out and do stuff. So I'm going to have you all stand. You're like, I was really enjoying this until now. (laughs) Here's what we're going to do. Just so we get those gears oiled and greased and you know exactly how to do this and get some practice. I'm going to give you three minutes. Ladies, I want you to find another lady. Men, I want you to find another man. And not somebody you know. Mm. That just cleared your head. Guys, I want you to find somebody. You have three minutes. And one of you is going to choose to remain quiet. The other one is going to choose to simply ask this. Tell me your story. And it's going to involve some hard things such as listening and not creating a conversation in your mind. So you have three minutes starting now, and I'll call you back. That means you got to move. Okay, you can go ahead and make your way back to your seats. (laughs) Part your ways and make your way back to your seat. Okay, so this would be the part where you stop talking. Well, there's a reason why I gave you three minutes and only three minutes, and it's not because of the clock. 
This is a teaser. This is intentional because you just met somebody that you've never been in community with. Three minutes isn't long enough to really have a really good conversation, is it? You barely got started. It was the same thing that God did. See, the Israelites were always together. They were working in the fields. They were slaves. They understood that. They, they were always together, just like us. We're always together as a community. And you can be together as a community and still not know each other. And so God has this miraculous way of taking the Israelites and forcing them into a place now where no longer are they just a community, but they become a, an intimate community together of knowing each other because they begin to share stories with each other. And so now you just made a new friend. And so now what will happen if, again, it's not about us, it's about focusing on God and about focusing on others. So now when you come in next Sunday, or better yet, when you connect in the middle of the week, you say, hey, by the way, we just got started. Come tell me. Let's get together again. Let's meet at Starbucks. Let's meet at Coffee Culture. Let's go over to Max and Irma's. I, I want to hear. I want you to tell me the rest of your story. What would begin to happen? Once the Israelites discovered that it wasn't just about them individually, they also started to understand that sharing stories cannot be done on your own. I talked about this moments ago, you know, whether you're a loner or you desire to have people with you 24-7, we need each other. Sharing stories with one another can't be done on our own. I don't know about you, but have you ever tried talking to yourself and like getting somewhere with that? It just doesn't work. You only get so far and then you've already heard everything you just said. So, it, you know, like it's pointless. The reason is we need community. We need each other. We need each other when it's bad. We need each other when it's good. And we need each other when it's ugly. That's why we're all here. Look at with me at Exodus 12, 12. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I'll bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. God says, for the generations to come. That means we instill it now and we pass it on all the way down. That means we instill right now as a community of faith the importance of sharing our stories and not doing this on our own. We need each other. We need community. We need this to continue on from generation to generation with each other. Even when the Lord instituted Passover, he intended it to be within community. Passover was about learning to do life together. It was about sitting around together and doing life together, meeting each other's needs. We have to understand that there's something in this that tells us this. It states to us that sharing our stories and doing life together is going to get real messy. And we have to expect the unexpected. We've got to be prepared to hear things from each other that we aren't prepared to hear. We have to understand that in a community 
When we come together and we're hard-pressed, imagine what it was for like the Israelites, that when they came together and started to share their stories and realized it wasn't about them, but it was about God and each other, and they realized that they needed each other, imagine the things that started to flow and they started to talk about and the things that took place around the table. And as they traveled together, things got messy. And if you read throughout the scriptures of their journey about things that began to happen, it got ugly at times. And we have to expect those things, that people are going to deal with addictions and they're going to talk to us about it. People are going to talk to us about marital issues, friendships, relationships, financial struggles. We got to be prepared for that because that's what community does. I want us to listen to Anne's story this morning. I remember this one time, right before my 18th birthday, I met a guy at a Waffle House, and he was cute. We went back over to his house and to watch a movie, had a drink, and the next thing I knew, I woke up and I was half-dressed, just laying there on his couch. He was, he was nowhere to be found, and I don't know his name, I don't know what happened. I just remember feeling so ashamed that I let this addiction take me so far. And I knew something in my life had to change. I remember the first time I looked at porn. I was 16 years old and had waited until my family went to bed one night to look it up on the internet. You see, I grew up super conservative, didn't really know a whole lot about sex, and figured that the best way I could find out was by looking on the internet. I soon began to notice that I would want to go back to the computer and look at this stuff even more. And it went from curiosity that I would just kind of satisfy when my parents would go to bed, you know, once a week or something, to a full-blown addiction. And I just became more and more and more addicted, more and more engrossed into this world. When something as dark as an addiction has something just grasp on you, you do things that you would never in a million years think that, that you would do. I grew up a pastor's kid, so here I am, this good little Christian girl, but I'm totally addicted to porn, and, and my online life started coming out into my, my offline life as well, and decided, you know what, I need, I need to get rid of this computer, because this computer was the root of it all. It was, it was where I talked to guys, it was, it was just everything. So I unplugged it, unhooked it, walked it downstairs, took it to the dumpster outside my apartment, and left it. And said a little prayer of forgiveness, asking God to forgive me of, of everything I had done, and thought that, yeah, that was probably enough to kick the addiction. Even though I didn't have a computer anymore, I still had an addiction. The images that were in my mind, the way I would think about things, those things would still haunt me and I was just completely overwhelmed with the shame that, that came with them. And I never really thought that I could talk to anybody about this because looking at porn for guys or, or having sex and doing all these things for guys is like a totally natural thing. It's something that the guys even celebrate sometimes. But for a girl to have an addiction like this, I felt really, really alone.
So over the last few years of just trying to stay free from this addiction, I ended up getting married and porn is something that a lot of men struggle with, my husband included in that. And we took some steps to, to keep it out of our lives. We didn't have a computer for the first few years that we were married and then we didn't have internet once we got a computer and now we've been married for a few years and we just want to keep that conversation open. When the temptation's there, we want to talk about it and even in the times when we don't want to talk about it, we have a plan B. You know, we use the uh, X3 watch software from X Church on both of our computers and, and have that mail out the accountability reports to each other and to some of our friends. Yeah, the temptation's always there. It's never gone away. And it's not been a perfect run in its sobriety. We've screwed up along the way. But, but having the grace to accept when those failures come and, and to move on and to grow and to learn from them has been so important. And the freedom that comes from living a life of no secrets it's something I wouldn't trade for the world. So we need community. And Anne found out that she couldn't overcome things on her own without community. And she found somebody because she was in that moment where she was hard pressed. And she reached out and realized that there was somebody around her that could be in her community. The thing is, is we all have a story like Anne hiding within us. And it may not be porn that your story is, but we all have a story that's hidden deep down within us. And it's there in the wilderness. It's, it's there in the wilderness where we become hard-pressed it's there in the wilderness where everything we face, all the unknowns and all those things begin to push us further and closer toward God. And we begin to trust Jesus and God and Holy Spirit. And then in the midst of that, when we're journeying together as a community, we begin to trust each other. That's how God intended it to work. And finally, the sharing our stories and focusing on others is great. But we also have to make sure that every story we share has to glorify Jesus. All of us have a story to share. And everyone else has a story that they want to share with us. That's normal. It's natural. But can I be real with you for a moment? Authenticity is important. It's critical that we be authentic with one another in community. But we can't allow our conversations to turn into a cesspool. Look with me here at Exodus 12, 27. Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Now get this. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. Now I know the context of the scripture. I understand this. I get this. I'm well aware that it was in the context of God sparing them the lives of their firstborns and sparing them as Israelites. But let's just take it a step further and apply it into our lives at this moment. There are things that all of us have done, and that's our reality. 
And at the same time, if our stories reflect our greatness, then it's not glorifying Jesus. See, it's good. It's good because we want to come together as a community. We want to journey through the wilderness together. We want to share our stories and we want to take the focus off of ourselves. But we got to make sure that when we talk to each other, what we're discussing glorifies God. I understand that, yes, maybe in our past, we screwed up immorally. But when we're sharing stories and we're being authentic, we don't need to share details. That's not glorifying Jesus. We may have an addiction, or we may have overcome that addiction. And we're being authentic and simply saying, hey, listen, I had an addiction to heroin and I overcame it. But what we don't need to do is tell you what we did every Friday and Saturday and how we were addicted to heroin and what it involved and so on and so forth. That doesn't glorify Jesus. And and just please do this. Let us protect community this way. Can we stop saying, I'm just being real? Can we stop that? Because that acts as a catalyst that we can just say whatever we want. That needs to stop here, and we have to glorify Jesus. Psalm 141, love this scripture. So hard to apply. Psalm 141.3 says, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So when the Israelites came together and they were forced into all of this, I'm sure there were moments that they were just real and authentic with each other. And I'm sure there was bickering and arguing between other Israelites once they got out from the Red Sea, I'm sure they were questioning. We see that they would bicker and argue with Moses a lot. And so they were probably arguing and bickering with each other. And there was probably moments of authenticity where they were talking together and meeting, and they were just really letting each other know how they felt. But there was this point where God would say to them, listen, I am setting a standard. I'm setting a standard, a bar of righteousness, right living for you in this community. And I'm calling you to live at this level because you have the ability to obtain it. And that includes our speech. It includes how we speak with one another and how we share our stories with each other. What would happen if we start to ask for God's presence in the midst of our conversations? What, is, what if we go to Erie Insurance tomorrow to work and as we're going in, we just simply say, Father, just asking for your presence all my conversations. But your things would be different. Go home today. You're on your way home, whether you're here by yourself or with your family, whatever, whatever it is you're gonna do. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, be present for my conversations. God's presence was with Israel all the way through their journey, and he intends that for us as well. 
So over the course of the next few weeks, we're inviting you to journey with us through the wilderness as we share our stories, as we share experiences together, as we affirm one another, and as we share this journey that's ahead of us as one, because that's what God intended for us. I promise you that it's going to get messy. I promise you that we'll be hard-pressed just like the Israelites. But like them, at the end of it all, we will come out with a greater understanding of God's love for us, a greater awareness of his presence, a greater increase of faith, healing among each other, and a greater trust as a community for one another and taking care of each other so then in return we can go and take care of this city and that Jesus will be glorified. Let's stand. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ability to read your word, to be able to pray and communicate with you. But most of all, we thank you for your presence. And we thank you that you lead us and direct us with your presence through your word. And Father, the same presence that was there and then with the Israelites is still available to us today. And so, Father, I pray for each and every single person in this place that as we begin to walk together as a community, and as we begin to share our stories, not only with each other, but in our places of where you send us, that there would just be a boldness and a courage that would rise up within us to put ourselves on the back burner and simply ask people what their story is and have a willingness to listen and that you would be present in those conversations. Father, we love you and we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week.